Welcome to the Washdown Podcast. And tonight's guest is Rob Hughes. Rob is a news reporter, news anchor um, here at a local TV station. And also, um, he is an infantry officer with the Kansas Army National Guard. And, you know, me and him and Chris had a great conversation. We talked about a wide variety of things. Um, leadership and yeah just a lot of stuff so uh hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it um don't forget to like and subscribe on spotify and youtube and all that stuff so here you go here's the washdown podcast um with special guest rob hughes I'm used to asking questions. I thought this time you got to ask me. Oh, yeah. No, you're on the sure. spot now, buddy. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. We'll figure something out. Yeah, I, I can come up with something. Well, you know, it is uh, it, it is interesting when you get somebody who's used to asking the questions. Yeah. And then they're the ones who have to answer the questions. Yeah. Or I can ask you guys questions, but I don't want to hijack your show. <laughs> you know? I can't wait till we ask some questions yeah. and we get that funny look like it's a terrible question, but he's yeah. super nice and doesn't want to say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. All right. All right. <laughs> Right. Or answer a question with a question. Yeah. yeah. Or that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. The political answer. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We call that bridging in public affairs because that's one of the things I do in the military is oh, I can't really talk about that, but I think we should really focus on like I advise generals on how to do that. And, and that, that's, that's how you kind of bridge. So you, you kind of don't answer the question, but you try and steer them towards what you mm-hmm. want to answer. <laughs> It's pretty that, tough, though. Sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, and this, where did we like go wrong with the whole? Just answer the question. Yeah. Just wh- why not just give a simple answer? Just, I mean, and yes or no is a complete sentence, by the way. And I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer for a question. If you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's what we advise. Is yeah, say I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's the best answer. No comments, never a good answer, I think, because it seems like you're hiding something. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, but we'll do murder boards to where you do, like, fake interviews and and then the bridging techniques I mentioned. And, but, yeah, you have talking points you want to hit, and so it's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if public speaking was easy, everybody would do it and be great at it. Exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't have all those memes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Rob, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Very much. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell us what you do, and uh, then we'll get into it. Yeah, it's an honor and privilege to be here, guys. I appreciate all you do. And uh, yeah, my name is Rob Hughes. I'm, I'm a professional television broadcaster here in local media in Kansas City. I'm an anchor reporter at the ABC CW affiliate. And then my other job is I'm an infantry officer and a public affairs officer in the Army National Guard, specifically for the 35th Infantry Division, which is based out of Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And then I'm about to switch over in April to the 105th MPAD, which is a mobile public affairs detachment. So it's almost going to be kind of like running like a small newsroom in a way. Mm-hmm. So the soldiers I'm going to lead are responsible for covering all the content throughout the state of, of what's going on basically with the Kansas Army National Guard. And then I've been involved with with veteran service organizations and first responder service organizations a lot the last several years when I moved here. 2016, emceed a lot of events. I've served on boards myself. One of the great things about Kansas City is the support we have for veterans and first responders and, and a variety of other great causes in town. So I try and stay involved with that as much as I can and volunteer as much as I can as well is what I'm passionate about. Cool. Yeah. That's a lot to unpack. It, it is. 
Uh-oh. And when, like we stated earlier, we are not professional no. question askers. I really wish I'm not I really, had a notepad not... and I was taking notes with what he was saying. I don't really think I am either. But hey, it'll be like an elephant, guys. One bite at a time. All right. <laughs> uh, wherever you want to start, let's roll yeah. with it. Well, so one of the things that I'm kind of interested in, obviously the the charity work and the mm-hmm. nonprofits and stuff that you've been involved with and associated with, but also on the military side of the public affairs stuff, mm-hmm. like how does that, as much as you can talk about it, you oh, know, yeah. I'm sure there's stuff you can't, but like how does that work as far as like, you know, is it for stateside stuff like mm-hmm. natural disaster stuff with the National Guard and like you're the person who's like doing the press releases and things like that or is yeah. it? It's, it's kind of a hybrid. I'm, I'm pretty, to be honest, I'm pretty new to it. What kind of, what happened was on my first deployment to Ukraine, 2016, 2017, because of my civilian job, I became a, a UPAR, which is a unit public affairs representative. So what I was doing was just kind of helping out the public affairs officer and you, you have a branch, I'm an infantry officer. And then if you're in there long enough, they'll give you another job, so to speak. And so the lady I was working with was a field artillery officer and then she had an NCO and so that's kind of my first my first dabble into public affairs in, in the military. And then this last deployment, which I got back from in November, I was in Southwest Asia in the Middle East, specifically Qatar for the for most of it. And then since I haven't gone to school in the military to be a public affairs officer yet, I'm going I'm going later <laughs> this year. I I I basically they they gave me the job. And I had a lot of on-the-job experience, but I wasn't officially trained to do it. <laughs> and so the guys I was working with who were great, but who they had gone to school for it, they I just kind of made up a title of, of public affairs support officer in Qatar. And we where, where I was at, and I wasn't doing any type of black ops stuff, but, but we weren't allowed to talk specifically or in any type of public capacity what we're doing there specifically. Yeah. And so... What we did is primarily focused on the soldier story. So we do a lot of stuff on social media, a lot of highlights of what soldiers are doing. And, and I've, I've worked a lot with press releases, but I haven't officially gone to public affairs school. It's called the Defense Information School at, at Fort Meade, Maryland, which I'm, I'm, going, <laughs> I'm going later this year. Yeah, but, but what I'm going to be doing after I go through that, that school is, yeah, is, is press releases, press conferences. Kind of a lot of what I did overseas was, was advising my I work for a one star general as well as a colonel at the little base I was at and and advise them a lot on we never really had to do press conferences where I was at or, or, or press releases. We we worked at the Department of State and they had their own media team out there at the embassy uh, in Doha, Qatar. Mm-hmm. And they would handle any any messaging to the public. And so when when I trained the unit that was replacing us that's out there now, the def- when we would murder board them, which means just do mock interviews whenever as like role playing a, a reporter, so to speak, I would ask them, "Hey, can you tell us about Camp Osley at Qatar?" They would say, "Oh, well, uh, I need to defer to Department of State on that." Really, so it was just an easy answer. Yeah. But going back to your question of stateside, so say there is a tornado, or there's a natural disaster, or there's an event to where the National Guard responds, then we work with we 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 have our team, and then also there's a there's a, another team at the state level who handles press releases as well. Like like for example, the we're having a change of command upcoming early March, coming up this this weekend at the time of this recording. So it's going to be March fourth, and that's going to be a new commanding general for the 35th. So that's a two star, and it was a the that release has already been sent out, but it wasn't from a military team. It was from a civilian who works in. In, the, in Topeka, where the headquarters is, who sends out stuff like that. So it's kind of like a partnership okay. between the military side, and then you have civilians who work in the military as well. But not only that, I mean, your job as public affairs is 
is of course you just like any public affairs agencies in, in any city i mean you're representing an organization you're defending an organization you're doing damage control something goes wrong <laughs> and and that's nothing yeah, ever goes right? wrong and and that's that's what we did a lot in when i was overseas is you develop a holding statement so if you if something is going to go wrong you think that could cause negative media attention you come out with a you you already come up with with a statement basically is what you'll initially send and then once you get more information you'll send out a full-on press release and so i would do a lot of those but that was just kind of my recommendations to the department of state but they would have the final say because we because it was a humanitarian mission i was doing and so we were we were working for them but it's it's public affairs is, is fascinating it's it's I'd like to say it's similar to journalism and media, but it, it is in some ways. In a lot of ways, it's it's different. It's right. it's not. It, a lot of people go into that industry. Some a lot of my friends have who have worked in media, but there's there's quite a bit of, to learn to wow. how to be successful at it. Yeah. So were when you, you in? Go oh, sorry. Were you in Qatar during the World Cup? I, I left right before it, which is a bummer <laughs> because if I would have stayed there, or if I would have still been there, we probably would have been able to see a game. But yeah, yeah, we we were at a, a little base that used to be an R and R base. Okay. And yeah, and they had since converted it for a humanitarian mission, and it it was it, it was fascinating. Uh, it was a fascinating mission, just working with people from all over the world. It was very rewarding work we're doing, working with units from all over the country and a lot of interagencies as well. A lot of distinguished visitors, they call them DVs in the military or VIPs, mm-hmm. but a lot of them were coming through where I was at, and, and it was, yeah, it, it was a blast. It, it was fascinating culture. I got to see some of Saudi Arabia, some of Kuwait, so it was, yeah, it was it was a good experience. I've, I've been lucky with my deployments because they've, they've both been awesome. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they've been an incredible experience that I never thought I'd do. Oh, yeah, nice. it was very fun. I had a little bit of a... Uh, good morning, Vietnam. Yeah, there with all the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hearing Robin Williams in my head. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the Armed Forces <laughs> Network is cool. AFN. That, I, I saw more of that when when I was on my first deployment because for some reason Sporting Kansas City would always be on AFN where where I was at in, in Ukraine. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And and then on this last deployment, for whatever reason, it was it was always wrestling was always on, and that was it. And the chow hall where I was at, so like WWE, I, I, WWE, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, it was WWE, and then the, it, and then it was some of the other leagues as well. Is it like Ring of Honor or something uh, like that? I quit watching and, in the '90s when The Rock and Stone I mean, Cold we, and all, Goldberg and all those guys <laughs> stopped wrestling. That's when yeah, I quit. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes there'd be sports on, but yeah, we in. We, we, I wouldn't say complain, but we were trying to get a little diversity and, and you could go to different parts of the chow hall and different stuff would be on. So you could go in one section, get news, one section, you could get whatever's on in the middle of the day and then other sections you could just get sports. So it, it was pretty nice. well represented, I would say. So you're going, you're going to go to the college in Maryland. Yeah, yeah, it's a two month pro. Yeah, it's a, a two month course. And okay. In, in, in the military, it's tough in the guard and reserves because you're trying to keep up with your civilian career. You got family, of course. And you've got to knock out these schools to, to qualify for your job, basically. So if you want to promote or if you want to certify for a job like what I'm doing, you got to figure out how do I fit this in my schedule. And so, yeah, I tried to do an online option. I think the in, I ended up I'm going to be doing an in-person option, which I think is going to work out better because instead of just because the online course is, is real time. So it's maybe not necessarily having to sit there for lectures, but you have to work with other people and finish projects every week. And, and so and that's six months. So, yeah, yeah I think in, yeah. in person would be a little easier. So does yeah. your – so you have a degree 
in the civilian right. world, right? Yeah, I have a degree and a master's degree. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Is it in journalism or is it something else? I'll be honest with you. So I got into some journalism and film programs at different universities I applied to in California primarily, but mm-hmm. I ended up going to USC for undergrad and I was kind of starstruck. I had no idea how expensive it was until later on in life. <laughs> <laughs> but I got rejected. I didn't get into the Annenberg, which is the journalism school or the film school. I ended up getting in under political science because you could apply for three majors. And then if you want, if you got accepted under one, you could go in under that one. And you could try and add some later. So what I ended up doing is taking courses in media and journalism and then adding communications. So I ended up doing political science communication and then doing a couple of shows there because – there was what was called the Robert Zemeckis Center, mm-hmm. and any student could go and audition for a show there. So you could do a news show, sports show. I, I did kind of a entertainment type show, and we got all sorts of people on it throughout L.A. Nice. I mean, yeah, I like talked to George Lucas, Train, and then all, all sorts of people in the film industry. It was it was awesome. How yeah. was George Lucas? He was he was cool because he was, of course, his USC alum, and yeah. so that was a press junket, and so it's basically a huge circle. Imagine like like wagons circling up, you know, it's just all media outlets in a big circle, and he just goes from outlet to outlet to outlet. And we were kind of towards the end, so he was kind of not. He seemed kind of tired, like I'm done with this. And he was yeah. on the phone. He's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I'm surrounded by a bunch of media." Right? <laughs> <But> he was, <laughs> you know. But he was he was cool. Of course, we had to talk Star Wars and oh, and, yeah. and his his. I mean, I only had a few minutes, but he gave us a little more time as well. But yeah, it, it was a blast. I mean, it was cool. It was a cool war story to to talk about. Heck yeah! Mm-hmm. So yeah. That, that was your undergraduate. What did you get right. your graduate at? Uh, so I, I went to Emporia State online because the the. Different different states. So what's unique about the guard is is every state is a little bit different. Not only what they specialize in, like like one state might be more of an infantry heavy state, one artillery, but but also as far as professional development for officers and non commissioned officers, I feel like Kansas is very big on education. And so to to compete as an officer, they encourage you to get a master's if you want to be competitive. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up getting going to Emporia State and get an MBA, which was a great education. Uh, it, it was uh, relatively inexpensive. It was professors from all over the world, students from all over the world. Uh, it was definitely pretty tough. I, I mean, think, it was I think online is the way to go if you can swing it. I I've mean, done it, yeah, all my stuff online and. If you can, I'd recommend if if it was modules. So basically, you have a week to do all the work, and then mm-hmm. towards the end, you do your capstone, and then you have to work with other students. But if it's if it's more a program where you can do it on your own time, that's awesome. If if you have to be be there physically for classes, then you have to make sure that your schedule allows. I've noticed the bigger universities are still more traditional, even they're right. online. To yeah. where, so I went to Columbia Southern. Cool. Got my first bachelor's. Got a second one from Waldorf, and they're the same. And now I'm working on the, the masters. Oh, good for but you. But it's all it's eight week classes. So you have, you have that week to get it done, and then so it's gonna take me just over two years. I mean, I can do it faster, but mm-hmm. why? Right. Why put the more pressure on yourself when you can do one? Because the undergrad idea. was two two every eight weeks, mm-hmm. so you were it was constantly going back and forth. But mm-hmm. the in person just doesn't work for working people yeah especially you know you exactly. got your, your civilian career then you got your military career you got family i'm assuming you have kids yes yeah you know yeah. so then their their stuff takes up your time and you're just out of it right so i think that's awesome and did the, did the national guard pay for your yeah i ended up using part of my gi bill and then the the gi bill i have left over i'm going to give to my kids and perfect and then, yeah is, is what i'm planning on doing not everybody has to do that and there's other there's other way i mean if your kids get scholarships that's awesome yeah. but but yeah and i just did one class at a time i wasn't in a hurry to get it done no 
but it yeah it definitely i think i agree it, it for people who work for people who have families it's, it's a good option but but you definitely have to to be disciplined to get the work done mm-hmm. there's there's you're not showing up and the teachers are saying, make sure you get your work done. It's all on you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a last minute guy. Yeah. <laughs> like my paper was due today. Yeah. I just wrote it an hour ago. <laughs> we, we had, yeah. We had, we had people like that. Like they'd have like a discussion post yeah. due and they were getting it in like 10 minutes before it was yeah. due. I said, man, I like, oh, what I if your computer those. crashed? <laughs> what yeah. if you, you know, what if your car broke you, down? <laughs> you forgot your charging cord. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I tell yeah. you, I, that I hate those discussion boards. Cause I, yeah. I got, you have to be very careful in what you say. Right. Cause there's no tone. Mm-hmm. So like you could be replying to a comment. And that's not like if you read it in the wrong tone, you're attacking that person. I'm like, yeah. Ah. So I've got to make sure I put type something in there where, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not jumping on you. Yeah. It's just, don't you know. do the all caps. Yeah. You gotta get absolutely. Your two post in. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, they have the, this whole etiquette policy that you have to read ahead of time to make sure, yeah, you're, you're, you're trying yeah. to, to make sure you have the correct no, no four tone. letter words. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. So, but that's the thing with the written word mm-hmm. in any form, you know, is, the emotion or whatever that's attached to it is completely on who's reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The per because you can't tell the person who wrote it what they were feeling at the time. Yeah, and you so, can infer, mm-hmm. but knock on right, wood, I haven't right. had any issues. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we can both look at like a piece of artwork and we see yeah. completely different things. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Is you never know what the intention was of who wrote it, but you can interpret it different ways. Yep. Yeah. So did your, do you think that your civilian career, helped with what you're doing in the military now is that why they picked you before you went to that school because you have a background essentially yeah absolutely that and that's how i got into public affairs i started out in infantry i originally joined in my later 20s i'd already gone to college it was just something i wanted to do and then i mentioned how each state kind of has a specialty so mm-hmm. you can you can do pretty much i mean whatever you want but some states you might have more slots for example in a certain branch so i was in oklahoma, uh, oklahoma at the time with the 45th when i first joined and they're big on artillery and infantry and so i i initially joined infantry and and then and then those are those are type a folks i mean they're very competitive <laughs> and fit and and tight and and type a it's it's definitely a very competitive culture but I mentioned you get your what's called a functional area. And so for me, yeah, I, I luckily the sergeant major I work for on this last deployment, he either watched me or knew who I was. And, and it was a huge opportunity to, to be able to do what I did. I was away from the flagpole, meaning not at the headquarters with the generals and, and everybody else. It was there's only about 40 of us for, for our little headquarters element on this base. And then there were other units, too. And each unit had a different specialty. So you had like units doing security forces who are protecting the base. You had the military police, you had medical, you had logistics and, and you had, and then you had contractors. And, and so it was, it was pretty, pretty complex operation. And then you had UN agencies there as well from with people from all over the world. But yeah, I, I lucked out and being able to get that gig and then through my civilian job. So our division public affairs officer, it, he, he lives here in town and we had met through my, civilian career a couple of years ago when, when he was working for one of the big law firms here. And then he was also a commander in, in the Kansas army national guard. And it was just a segment really to try and promote the guard and talk about how, <laughs> Hey, here's somebody who's, who's very high up and in two careers and he's making it happen, which, which is difficult, but I don't think that always gets promoted a lot. You just see the, the commercials and, and that's yeah. about it. Yeah. And I will say on the commercials, it talks about the stateside missions, but remember you can go overseas too, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So just something to keep in mind after nine 11, the guard and reserve, they, they, they get deployed a lot. 
especially yeah. when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan, really they started utilizing the reserve and guard units to sustain and, and to support active duty. Yeah. Well, I mean, those were huge operations. And just from right. a sheer logistical standpoint, the number of people you need, yeah, you, you got to have them. Yeah, so absolutely, but yeah, it, it's been great. I mean, just the the diversity of, of of people you have in the guard, all different professions, all walks of life. A lot of people. Uh, we got a lot of first responders, and they had incredible value, especially with with military police a lot. And and so you have different way of of problem solving and critical thinking because you have all these. I mean, you have, I mean, doctors, lawyers, business owners, first responders, and they bring different skill sets to the organization and they use that to, to help in whatever the mission is. So I've, I found it to be incredibly efficient and, and important and, and value added when, when you have the guard working overseas and reserves too. So you mean putting yeah. the right people in the right position to get the job done? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot what of a, times, what a novel idea. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> a little taboo there, man. Call it the right seat on the bus, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Making sure you have the right person on the in the right seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's not always that people will do exactly in the guard or reserves what they do on the civilian side. Sometimes people do things completely different just to switch it up. Mm-hmm. Like they say, they don't want to go and for a weekend or two weeks or months or or a deployment to do the same thing they do on the civilian side. But, but in my case, it, it ended up working out well just because I kind of already had that credibility and experience. And, and, and one of the best parts about it was having a, a general ask me what I think. And I saw, man, I, I must be either doing something right or I must be faking it. Good enough to where he care, you know, he care what I think, right? He, he takes stars off first before he answers <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. Waiver. Yeah. So that was, that, that was, that was real cool. And, and there's there's yeah a lot of similarities and really understanding the media and what they're looking for. It, it's a, I'm able to really kind of work with them very well and, and and things sync up real real good because I understand what they're going through, what they need. Since that's that's the one thing I always liked about the military was like you're going get ready to go to this school, mm-hmm. so you're being you're taking classes that pertain to your job mm-hmm. to promote. Right. I I thinking that could that would be a great transition to the civilian world. If companies did that and, you know, police and fire departments, EMS departments, every agency we have, like get you at the state level to where we prepare you before you go into that next role. Right. Instead of, hey, here's your role. Good luck. Exactly. And then Figure you got to learn, learn the hard way because yeah. you're going to make mistakes. And I mean, I, I learned better with hard lessons, mm-hmm. but I think having the background first would make those hard lessons a lot softer. Oh, well, yeah. That goes under that leadership pr- principle of you set your people up for success mm-hmm. yes you know mm-hmm. and if you are trying to get put the best product out no matter what you're doing whether that be you know fire service or making you know straws mm-hmm. i don't know yeah whatever you whenever you're getting people that are climbing up the ladder you want them to be good at their job be proficient yeah. you don't mm-hmm. want to say okay i'm going to promote chris and then we're going to spend six months of him just making mistakes that are easily avoidable if we just show him that slot X goes with tab B right. instead of having him try to figure it out right? and hiding tab B from him for a month of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think one of the most important parts of leadership is, is taking care of your people. And that, that means exactly that is making sure you're setting them up for success and making sure that they're trained and, and they have – the right schooling for the job they're doing and and some of my mentors and I think everybody should have mentors they'll sit you down and and you can tell them where you want to be and they'll help you get there 
But otherwise, I mean, if you if, if somebody isn't competent, it doesn't mean they're not good enough to do the job. It just means that they weren't put in the right position or it means that they they didn't have anybody checking up on them to make sure their schools were done. And, and that's that's what our commanding general told us is that the reason he's a two-star general is because he got his schools done on time. Because I mentioned in the Guard, it's it's on you. I mean, the only person in charge of your career is you, we say mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And so he when the time came to promote, a lot of his friends, he said, who were way better than he was, didn't have them done. And so that's why he was able to move up, move up the ladder. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and that's, yeah, the, like, for example, I have to do, I've got one phase left of what's called captain's career course. And that's where as a captain or as a lieutenant, you, you take the, whatever your branch is, you go through that career course. So for me, it's maneuver. So it's infantry and armor. It's at Fort Benning, Georgia. And I'm, I'm going to finish my last phase next month, which is good because I'm coming up on four years as a captain. So the guys who are, and, and ladies who do that as lieutenants, I think that's real smart. And that's what I should have done. But I just was working on the masters and wasn't really mm-hmm. thinking about it and kind of pushed it off. So that was kind of me learning things the hard way. <laughs> but yeah, but, but, but absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important to, because a lot of things in, in the military I've, I've learned through leaders, I've learned by asking, but things don't always come directly to you. I mean, I didn't even know to commission as an officer. I didn't have to enlist for it. I could have just gone. (laughs) There's a program in the guard where you can, you can go, you can basically go, you you go to to basic and then you go straight to officer candidate school. But Mm -hmm. I did time in a line unit. And then I remember first day basic training, Fort Benning, Georgia. I was an E4 because if you have a college degree in the army, you can, you can actually start out uh, with a little bit of rank. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of controversial, I guess, because some some people don't like that because you know you know, they think you should start as 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 a private, which I, I can see that. But yeah, the the commander of this this company comes up and he was asking me, you "Go to college?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, aren't you going to OCS?" He said, "Oh, well, I was told I have to enlist first. He's like, "Oh my lord, <laughs> recruiter, <laughs> recruiter, exactly. yeah." It's, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> that's Those exactly guys are back high fiving each other. Yeah. Got another one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, but that that goes back to what we've talked about several times: is that knowledge gap. Yeah. You know, of you don't know what you don't know, right? And especially if you're going into something that nobody around you knows about Mm -hmm. you go in blind and you make those mistakes of Mm -hmm. yeah i could have went you know ocs first instead of enlisting or you know there's programs for in the military there's programs for first responders you know police and all that stuff of you know these things that can help you like buy a house or do this or do that and nobody knows about them yeah, I'll give you an example. This last deployment, I had no idea. I mentioned I was giving some of the GI Bill to my kids. So I thought you could just do a couple of years or even do 20 or more and retire and just give it to them. It doesn't work that way. And I never knew this. There was a sergeant major who told this to me. So basically, you have you have to do four years to be able to transfer the benefits. So that means, say you're going to do 20 years. Well, you're 16. That's the latest you can do those four years. And and I had no idea. It's You just go in this database and you, you check. You have to apply for it. And then it's it's an incentive, so you owe them time. But I, I never knew anything about that. Yeah. And then overseas, there's what's called the savings deposit program. So you can put up to $10,000 into a savings account, and you get 10% interest. It's if you need to park some money somewhere. But it's not really that well advertised. So there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things. And just because, I mean, in the Guard, it's kind of like you work remotely, and then you meet together for a weekend. And mm-hmm. there's so much you try and stuff into a couple of days that, you might just kind of very briefly, very quickly do briefings and people are busy and people are there and then they have to leave. And so some stuff just gets lost in the sauce, I think, with, with benefits think, like that. You know, anytime you look at any government entity, all you're going to get is red tape. Yeah. And it's very hard to navigate unless somebody's already been there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which all, all it does is a disservice to the members who could use something. Right. Yeah. Who would, you know, it would make stuff a lot easier. Like even yeah. like the retirement process. Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, well, who do I need to talk to? Well, okay. You got to go talk to this person and then this person. And then, you know, you got to fill out this piece of paperwork and then you got to decide about this. And it's, and then mm-hmm. there's so many, you know, rumors cause that's, reliable mm-hmm. information of <laughs> well no if you do this then you can't ever do that well come to find out well that's not true you can do this or that or whatever and yeah dude it's that knowledge gap thing yeah. of they yeah. just and it's not that it's not accessible it's just nobody's pushing it and exactly. making it like putting it at the forefront and a lot of people don't think about that kind of stuff exactly yeah just going back to taking care of your people that's what what i try and do as much as i possibly can is if there's something that they need to do or benefit benefit the troops benefit whoever your subordinates are is is let them know about it tell them about it but yeah you're right there definitely is that knowledge gap that exists and and got to be i've learned you got to be proactive and and in the military you have you have field manuals and you have doctrine but but a big part of what i try and do is you be creative you understand the box but then you think outside the box Mm -hmm. and and I used to be a plans officer and you spend all this time and effort coming up with the perfect plan. But then as the bullets start flying, it just goes all out the window. Like they say, the enemy has a vote. Yeah. yeah. So I just it say. It goes back to the Mike Tyson quote for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said, has a plan and so you get punched in the face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I say bad plan, violently executed. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I try and do. Just yeah. shoot more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just go back to, to training and, and SOPs and, and sometimes it, it, it's sloppy, but you just get it done. But that's. Yeah. Hey, well, a win's yeah. a win. Yeah. yeah. It had to be pretty. Yeah. Well, but that also is something we were talking about earlier. Like, that's a very true thing of training. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you're not going to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. You're going to fall back to the level of your training. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. whatever you spent the most time on, that's what you're going to get. Exactly. So, if yeah. you spent the most time sitting on your ass, <laughs> then you're going <laughs> to sit on your ass. Yeah. And that's something, yeah, I, I, I would imagine, I mean, as first responders or military, I mean, yeah, the, the more you train versus, yeah, just, just sitting around, it, that'll pay off. It, yeah. it'll, it'll absolutely... Mm-hmm. It'll absolutely come in handy when it counts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, when, dude, I mean, you talk about the first responder world, like yeah. you can talk about being a firefighter, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we had it, our old captain, we'd go into a house and he would throw the hose line around like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Now he was a bigger guy and mm-hmm. whatever, but also he had a lot of time on and knew how to manipulate the hose where he wasn't putting out a whole lot of energy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he just knew, he knew that stuff. And it wasn't until he showed me in particular of how to do certain things and i'm like oh okay now i'm not going to be falling down so tired after everyone now i know how to move this thing without using all of my energy and just wearing myself out real fast for no reason mm-hmm. yeah definitely always pick up neat tips and tricks and we call it mm-hmm. shooter's preference and yeah. and how you set things up on your kid as you kind of learn that as, as you go along and and mm-hmm. you do what works for you but yeah yeah that's that's awesome yeah because there's a, the way you, you train the standard as they say but then you kind of pick up what works for you the best and and certain certain guys have different preferences and on, on how they do things but it's always great to to learn from others but like, yeah you're always going to pick up the something yeah. from them exactly yeah and adapt it for you mm-hmm. yeah so kind of like when yeah. you, you know, when you went in and you were an E4, mm-hmm. even though you could have gone to officer candidate school, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it's better that you went in as an enlisted because yeah. now you understand their, yeah. the mindset there and what they're looking for 
from an officer. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps you be a better leader. It goes exactly. back to that, that servant leadership we've talked about here, on here before. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'm a big believer in servant leadership. Absolutely. Is that, yeah. And, and I've, I've talked to, to like JROTC cadets before and given talks. And that's what I always say is that, yeah, servant leadership. It's, you don't want to think of them like they're working for me. I'm working for them. Yeah. And I'm earning their trust mm-hmm. and, yeah. and their respect. But yeah, just going back to competence and best leaders I've had knew their stuff and they led from the front and it wasn't just some cliche or just some type yeah. of, yeah, just, just some type of, of memorized doctrine. Yeah. It, it was, it was, they, they were taking care of their people and fighting for their people too, mm-hmm. because I mean, leadership, it's, it's not when you're well rested and well fed, it's when you're hungry and everybody's, everybody's tired, everybody's uh, upset and it's, it's how you motivate them to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure first responders, I'm sure you've had days where you don't sleep much and I mean, you're busy and, and, and you got to get everybody motivated and, and lives are on the line. So yeah, I mean, that, that goes back to competence, trust, respect. That's yeah. why all the hospitals have the little EMS room. Oh yeah. Where you get little snacks to make you. That way you're not grouchy when you right. walk in and yell at a nurse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Just because you walk out with a basket of food doesn't mean nothing. Yeah. You, right. got, you got other other people you got to feed at the station. They're hungry yeah, right. too. Got running calls. But yeah. But I mean, with servant leadership, I'd imagine you you start out and you've got to wash the trucks right and roll up the hoses and and. But I would imagine that the guys who and ladies who volunteer for that and don't complain are probably the ones who maybe start to earn that respect and trust because you got to prove yourself, right? When yeah, because you, I mean, you're joining a team that that depends on on you for their life, right? Yeah, and I think that's part of the culture that kind of gets overlooked, and it's I don't want to say that it's going away or it's more rare than it used to be, but that whole earning your place and paying your dues and doing all those things is kind of it's less than it used to be, but it's, mm. I don't think it's any less important. Yeah. And, you know, doing that stuff and going through those things, whenever you get to the other side of it and you're in a leadership, a formal leadership position, because I like to talk about leadership at all levels, you know, the, the senior firefighter on the rig is in charge of the firefighters. At least it's not formal, but it's, you know, you're expecting them to know their job and to be able to help mentor the younger people that you have and do some of the rudimentary training and the basics and and it just keeps their skills sharp too and then once you move up to the the driver position and the captain position and the chief position you know your responsibilities grow exponentially with each promotion but yeah it's it's more valuable i think to have done the job at the lowest level before you get to that high level and then because you understand what's going on at that level. So the decisions that you make from up here, you know how it's going to affect those people. Mm. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I yeah. did earn reason respect and, and I, and I understand the lower enlisted and, and their needs and wants and desires and what they look for in a good leader and, and what it's going to take to, to motivate them and follow them. Because when I was a platoon leader, you're standing in front of 40 people and, and some of them are combat veterans and, the unit I was in had just got back from Afghanistan, and, and they had, I think, 14 casualties between the two battalions total. But now you you have to lead these guys, and, and they expect you to, to know what you're doing and mm-hmm. be competent and be, mm-hmm. be a good leader, lead from the front. But you got to prove it. Yep. And they continuously prove it, too. It's kind of like sports. It's all, yeah. what have you done for me lately? I mean, yep. if you stop performing, if you're an all-star the year before, but then, I mean, you're not performing anymore. 
that's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, and they're always watching. Yeah, exactly. And somebody's trying is, to get your job. Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. And yeah. all it takes is that one mistake, and then it's like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe we got to deal with him again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, some of the best leaders I've seen, I mean, they, no matter what the rank is, they, they still are up there in the trenches. Sorry, I remember... I went to the the Tommy Franks Museum in Hobart, Oklahoma, I believe it was. So he was the, the CENTCOM or Central Command Commander. So he was in charge of the initial Iraq and Afghanistan invasion. And the executive director of, of his museum was given our, our candidate class a little talk about leadership. And he said that what he respected about Tommy Franks is he had seen him with, with presidents and leaders of nations and kings. And then he saw him with the museum janitor. And he said, you know what? He treated both the same. Yeah. And, and so I think humility comes along with servant leadership. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's just so many stories of, of leaders I've seen. I mean, one of my, my favorite battalion commander would get the phone numbers of, of not just every soldier in the battalion, but their spouses, too, or significant other. And he would call them on their birthday and tell them a happy birthday. And for the significant other, he'd, he'd tell them happy birthday and thank them for their support, especially when their loved one's gone, when they're on deployments, because the families serve, too. Yeah. And they, and they got to cover down. And that same battalion commander, when we, we were at Fort Riley, where, you know, it was an armor unit. So that's where tanks were. And, and he would, he had a little commander suite with him and the, and the sergeant major. So it was just kind of like a little apartment in our, in our operations center, tactical operations center talk. And he would sweep out his own room, clean his own bathroom, scrub his own toilet, and he would not let anybody do it for him. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and then, and then I mentioned my first deployment to Ukraine, we had a change of command ceremony. Whenever you have an incoming commander, they usually say, usually say something. So this, the, the commander who, who the incoming commander was talking about uh, one of the leaders he looked up to on, on that Afghanistan deployment. Cause he said, this was a, a commander who he was always ordering men and women in harm's way. And, and that was personal for him. And yeah. even though he was in charge of hundreds of people. And so once in a while, if, if you're the boss, you can, pretty much do it, do what you want. Right. So he would, he would go on, on combat missions on patrols with, and one of the patrols, the unit was attacked. And so this commander, he was a Colonel. He ran, he ran under fire to a soldier who'd been shot. And then he grabbed him and threw him over his shoulder. And then firemen carried him all the way back to where the Humvees were, threw him in and they were able to save his life. And then that soldier named his son after that Colonel. And so, yeah. And so the, the commander said, that's, that's the type of servant leadership to where, this wasn't for show or awards. It was because of what had to be done at that time. But that commander was there on the ground, yeah. and and he was, he was present and and did what had to be done to save a life. Yeah, and, didn't and, say, and, "Hey, go get that guy." Yeah, and it's not just, it's not just combat. I mean, I, in, in my civilian job, I've, yeah, I mean, all the different careers I've I've been in and jobs I've been in, you have leaders who are more present and leaders to where you have no idea where they were. You know, like, was it, was it like Band of Brothers? You know, was it, was it the lieutenant who they never knew yeah. where it was? You remember that? You know, he said like, I, I got a meeting or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So, I'll be a yeah. battalion headquarters. Yeah. I mean, e even if it's, well, I, I believe it's called leadership by walking around, well, which is fine because that's where leaders will, will budget time to go and talk to their subordinates, their employees, their team, their team members. Mm -hmm. And, and I've seen that. And, and then an example at then when I was, at Fort Benning for the career course I mentioned for phase two or phase one uh, in January, the one of the seminars we're at, the chaplain told a story about a Black Hawk unit in Iraq, and they were in charge of air support for, for this big chunk of Iraq area operations. But out of their all the Apaches they had, I think they only had two working Apaches, and the rest of them were down, so they couldn't provide air support to everybody who needed it. 
So what the commander did is he he had his 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 mechanics work something like 48 72 hours straight, but the the why is a big concept. I mean Simon Sinek talks about it a lot. The a lot is 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 not not just the what but the why. Mm-hmm. And so he said the why is because American and Afghan lives are at stake to where if we don't fix these these Apaches, we can't we can't save lives. And that's why it's important. But not only that is he he stayed with these guys and and he helped them the entire time. And he didn't really know he wasn't a mechanic, but the point is he was there in the trenches while they were going through this and and doing whatever he could to to help them get through this. And that's that's what I would say is servant leadership. Yeah, and yeah. that means a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is is just. Showing up and, and knowing your people, knowing what motivates them, knowing about their families, remembering their kids' names. I think that goes a long way. And that's something I think you can do in, in any any profession. That's just, just, just how to take care of people. Yeah. Yeah, in my opinion. And being genuine about it, not being uh, fake. You know what I mean? Because yeah. people, people can tell. I mean, soldiers can tell when you're being fake. I've, I've seen it. And they're smart. And, and they, if they understand the intent or the, what we call commander's intent, what needs to get done, then, then they can, they can, they'll figure it out. They're they're very uh, they're very creative. I mean, we've, we have been in desert conditions and 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 terrible conditions with Oklahoma weather weather, and they they figure <laughs> out how to make it as comfortable as possible. And I mean, I was in Ukraine, and for the barracks, it was just a big, huge open room. So they built their own little apartments out of plywood with doors, and then they got these two gallon jugs of water with with five fifty cord, and they made these automatic pulleys to where it was like they basically made their own automatic door so when you would, <laughs> so that the, so this 550 cord it, it would close the door and go and then it would just go it was the coolest thing yeah but the point is they they did that themselves yeah yeah the troops ingenuity man yeah oh yeah ain't stupid yeah. if it works yeah absolutely yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's just all about kind of like everybody's seen saving private ryan and you saw Moha Beach, which is realistic, but you had just a small band of, of guys led by a captain and, and his his sergeant who got it done. And and you saw how ugly it was and messy it was, but they figured out where they were and they knew it had to be done. And and so, yeah, that's something they show a lot in, in mm-hmm. military schools is yeah. is trying to figure out, uh, know, know what the mission is, know what they're supposed to do. And, and everybody was mixed up and confused. And at one point they didn't know where they, they were trying to figure out where they were, but the point is they got it done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, uh, that's the value of knowing the mission yep. and knowing what your end goal is. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, it might be a little bit messy and you might take a misstep or two, but you yeah. know what the end goal is and you're moving in that direction. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we've kind of talked about it it seems like uh, things are kind of falling off. <laughs> right. You know, not to go right. all like <laughs> whatever, but I mean, I would say that that's, uh, that's kind of how our country is right now. Oh. Is, <laughs> we don't really have a mission right. or a goal. Right. It's just kind of. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you talk a lot about command philosophies in the military and, and as a commander, I don't want it to just be another memo on the wall that nobody reads. I mean, it's something that, that I talk about a lot, which, which for mine, it's, it's excellence, integrity, and honor, but it, but it's something that I, I try and execute and, and live and not just say, meaning excellence. If I tell the troops, I need them to do their best. And then here I am just, I mean, not even showing up and not caring, then I'm obviously not giving it a hundred percent. And then integrity, if I'm telling them 
hey, I want you to, uh, if I'm not doing the right thing, but I expect them to do the right thing, then then I really have no in, mm-hmm. I have no integrity. Yeah. And then honor is just something. I mean, like like when you put on your uniforms, I mean, it represents something bigger than yourself. It represents people who have served before you. And, and people who have given their lives in service of the community or the country for, for complete strangers. Right. So mm-hmm. it, when you think about that concept and it's kind of, it's kind of nostalgic, but, but it, it's something that, that I take seriously. I know you guys do as well. Then, then you represent that. So, yeah. so, so in a way you're representing the military or police or fire or first responders and everything you do and, and, and wherever you are. And and so if if you could be in another state or another country, and if you tell them you're yeah first responder in the United States, then you're representing that organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's something I think yeah it's important to take seriously. Yeah, very important. Oh yeah, absolutely. So how did you get hooked up with the uh, <gasps> with the nonprofits? What's interesting is I moved here from Oklahoma City. I'm going to mention, and it's a little bit smaller city, but I I don't remember there being many nonprofits that serve veterans and first responders and so when i got here through through work i kind of naturally gravitated towards you know once people kind of saw the passion i bring towards veteran first responder topics and issues and stories and content then they kind of started to bring me stories as well and so what i really like is you have say the va for example is awesome but i think all of the different veteran service organizations and a lot of them also serve first responders as well as i think each one is important because it has a what we call a, a subject matter expertise or it has a specific niche 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 anyway that word it has a, it had it, it has a it, they're they're experts in something mm-hmm. and 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 so i really i really like that and and i i i what I try and do is not just MC events, but just try and shed a light on the organization or fundraising efforts because the need continues to grow, of course, and then they they need funding to continue their missions. But but what I really like is, I mean, you, you have equine assisted therapy, you've got organizations that try and get older veterans out of their house to events and a positive types of events. You have organizations that, that, that do retreats that help veterans heal holistic and first responders who are dealing with trauma to, to be able to, to, to deal with it in a healthy way, in a healthy environment. They learn holistic healing methods and they, they learn how, how to, how to be able to, to deal with the trauma that, that they've seen. And, and a lot of these concepts I think will, will work for, for those who aren't even in say the first responder, the military service. I mean, you can have trauma being in a car wreck, right. But, but there's, there's just ways to, quantify it to, to get it out to, to deal with it and you learn fitness and nutrition and things to keep yourself healthy but w- once I learned about all these different organizations and, and how a lot of them will partner or work with each other because it's it's one team one fight as we say in the military I don't think there necessarily needs to be rivalries there can it can be a collaborative effort oh absolutely but, but, but yeah I guess you yeah, I mean you have rivalries and yeah, <laughs> well, but it's healthy rivalries yeah but yeah once so once I learned about all of these organizations that exist, it became my goal to try and do what I could with the microphone I have to shed a light on the work they're doing. So whether that's charity events or specific events or just the mission. And, and I've done segments on a lot of them that I might, almost all of them that I can think of. And, and they're all doing great work and they're passionate about it. But I think we're really blessed in the city though, to, to, in Kansas City to have so many great organizations and, and chapters of national organizations mm-hmm. too yeah are here yeah. And, and not just for veteran and, and first responder but for other organizations or like kit, causes with, with kids and 
and kids like living with, with disabilities. I mean, we, we've got just a lot of great organizations and organizations that, that work on finding cures for cancer. And, and so, yeah. So if anybody out there has, has a passion about something specific that they maybe they have a personal story, there's probably an organization in, in, in the city that, 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 that that's their mission. Yeah. yeah. So I'd encourage people to seek that out. Yeah. We're real, real lucky in that regard. I wonder, and this kind of just kind of struck me. I wonder why, why Kansas city? It, is it because yeah. it's in the middle of the country or is it because it's that like, you know, you hear about Midwest hospitality and yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I wonder if that has something to, to do with it and play. Uh, yeah. I, I've wondered the same thing. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if you have say a, a certain metric on, if you're in a bigger city, you'd expect to see X amount of, of organizations or in Kansas City, is there too many, is there not enough? But I, I definitely know that, yeah, you've got the Midwestern hospitality. And I know at least for the military side of it, a lot of people in the military don't really have a home. They're kind of, they've just moved from town to town. So, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> okay. take it, just take, kidding. Take a drink of water, man. Take a drink of water. <laughs> is this live? <laughs> no, it is not live. It's recorded. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I tell you, so before air, I before I choked on myself, yeah, I, I was just saying that uh, in the military, a lot of people will usually home for them when they retire will be wherever they're at. So a lot mm-hmm. of people go to Fort Leavenworth, which which has the Command General Staff College, which is it's kind of like um like a master, like it's like kind of like grad school for mm-hmm. the military. But but anyway, so for for the military aspect of it, you you've got that, and then you have what's called the SAMS, the School for Advanced Military Studies, and that's like. I guess doctorate level. I'm not sure. I mean, that, that's pretty high speed to go there, but a lot of people will retire to there. You've got Fort Riley and then you have a lot of, I, I think people with Midwestern values appreciate service. And a lot of people in the Midwest join the military. So maybe they just, they, they just come home. As a matter of fact, the, this last school I just went to, my instructor was from Overland Park. He was an active duty army guy. <laughs> and I think he said he might be coming back home. He's not going to do 20 years, but but he, um, his mom's on the chamber of commerce locally, I believe for, for Kansas city. But, but anyway, so that might be a reason. And I think just good people just want to do good things, but, but it'd be interesting to kind of compare it to other similar sized cities. But I can say, yeah, with, with Oklahoma city, there are great organizations there as well. I just don't feel like there are quite as many, but I could be completely wrong. That's just kind of what I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's ever enough though. Oh Yeah. absolutely well and they're all strapped you know like you said with fundraising and personnel you know to run them and the the need and demand for them is growing exponentially every year and i mean they just can't keep up yeah inflation's not helping these days you know know what i mean (laughs) but yeah i I mean i I'm, i'm a big believer in in if 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 you just have a a organization that's a handful of guys and ladies running out of the garage, but they can help just one person. I think it's, it's absolutely worth it. And, oh, and, yeah. and I know, but, but yeah, fundraising is, is tough. And, and then I, I know that you might have all these different organizations asking you for your money and you want to give to all of them, but maybe you have a limited, I mean, you can only give so much, so it's, it, it's definitely tough, but, but then you can also always do in-kind donations. I mean, we, I try and, I mentioned try and showcase different organizations and help them in any way I can. But yeah, I mean, they, a lot of them take volunteers. There's other ways you can donate aside from just monetarily, but, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. I always wonder that too. And I, and I, I think there's an organization, I think it's called, is it nonprofit connect? I think it's a, an organization that 
as a nonprofit you can sign up for or register, and it, it brings all these organizations together, not just to network with each other, but also you learn about the nonprofit sector. So you learn about grant writing, which is which is a big deal. I mean, people do that professionally. Yeah, and that's tough. It, it is, yeah, a lot of paperwork, right? That's yeah. my understanding. But yeah, yeah, and so they'll have workshops and seminars, things like that. And then, then I mentioned uh, sometimes you'll have organizations banding together. And we saw that a lot during COVID. Like, like there's also kind of completely off topic, but there's a lot of great breweries in town. <laughs> and I remember when they all banded together during COVID when nobody go out of their house and they had like a drive-through type of event to where you could drive through and, and get get whatever you want from all sorts of different breweries as well. And by the way, there's a lot of, there's some good first responder veteran themed breweries <laughs> yeah. that you probably heard about as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, I'd say, hmm. I'd say they're all awesome and, and support them all. And I remember talking to the VFW and, and I, I'm, I, I'm trying to remember if I asked the question or, or if it, this is the, their, one of their vice presidents, I think for communications there at, and which is awesome. We have the VFW, the national VFW headquarters here in Kansas city. Mm-hmm. And, and he was at, he was talking about how, as far as veteran service organizations, the first response organizations, he, he said, I mean, just join them all. I mean, work with all of them. It doesn't have to be just, just do one or, yeah. or just do a couple. Yeah. If you have that type of time, <laughs> I would just make yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, retirement. Yeah, <laughs> give yeah. you a purpose when you retire. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to do when I retire. I'll just be part of all the organizations. <laughs> like I volunteered at the VA for a while, and 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 kind of before I started getting hot and heavy with with, with grad school, and 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 that was awesome because because sometimes people just want somebody to talk to, and so we I just sit up there at the info desk with with another veteran and. Veterans would come up and they'd talk to us for about 20 minutes about this, that, and the other. And afterwards they would thank us because we just listened to them, (laughs) you know, and that's free. Yeah. Well, and then sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about mental health on this podcast a ton. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the purpose of it, you know, but that's one of the things that often gets overlooked is having somebody to talk to. Yeah. You know, because we all know about wait times to get in to see a counselor or a therapist or to get into a program or whatever. And then sometimes it might not even be to that level anyway. Mm. You may just need somebody to talk to and you don't have anybody because, you know, like you said, oh, you, you were in the military at Fort Leavenworth and then whenever you got out, you just stayed. Yeah. Well, you're not really attached to the military anymore. You don't have any family here. You don't, you may not have any friends here. Yeah. What do you, who do you have to talk to? Yeah. And that, and that, yeah, yeah. it's like, I don't know if I can plug it, but our friend, you know, Rob Sanderson, as well. Oh yeah. Ways yeah. He, he talks about keeping your bucket full mm-hmm. and, and, and being able to, to, to have your, your cup runneth over as the Bible says. So being able to have your bucket full so you can pour into other people, but yeah, you're right. And, and that's, what's tough mm-hmm. about, about the national ground and reserve is, is if like, like say you have a, a firehouse, a police station, you're all together. Or if you have like an active duty base, the families are there or they're, or they're in the area, but with the guard and reserves as well, you live, people live all over nobody nobody i mean we see each other once in a while but we don't you don't always have somebody there to to talk to you don't have the chaplain there to talk to as well and so it's it's tough but sometimes yeah the best thing you can do i think is listening but but yeah but i appreciate and and i'm a fan of the podcast as you know and i I appreciate all you do to talk about mental health because it's tough especially us type a's you know i mean Mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing about leadership is is you can't 
is you 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 as, you as a commander, I, I can't be weak in front of my guys, right? I can't cry in front of my guys. You know what I mean? So demotion, I, exactly, automatic. exactly. They'll say, yeah, that, that guy's a weenie. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Easy on the language, <laughs> exactly. Rob. Oh, I mean, sorry. Come on, I'm sorry. Is this, is this a family show or is this R-rated? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so whatever it takes to, I, I believe it's called talk therapy, or at least just just mm-hmm. just talking about things and. And, and I'm sure you guys talk about trauma and about how it can be 10 years after something happens to where mm-hmm. it surfaces. And you could even see that in relationships, you know, trauma that happened a long time ago will, will surface years later. Yep. And so, yeah. And, and so going back to these organizations in town, I mean, if you like to surf, you got Rob's charity, you, you've got great resources with, with podcasts, like the content you guys talk about and, and the, the SMEs we call them the subject matter experts you bring on your show. <laughs> but I mean, we mentioned you like horses, you've got equine assisted therapy in town, you got organizations to do that organizations that will just get get people together in, in good positive environments so but but we mentioned about being proactive like about your career but you, you've got to i mean seek out those resources and just be able to to have the humility to say i need help you know yeah and and, and well for a type a personality exactly that's, uh, that's it can be it, it, it can be tough yeah it, it it can be really tough because you feel like okay i'm, I'm a failure or i'm doing something wrong but I mean, you can't, can't, yeah, you can't help others if your bucket's empty. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, and mental health is, it's such a huge thing. I, I went on a, um, a ride along with, let's say one of the local departments and the, um, there, there was a tough call and, and then they didn't really have time to, to process it before immediately going to the next call. And I'm sure it's the same thing with, with fire too. You can have a traumatic call, the stuff you guys see and deal with. And then you immediately have to go to the next call and be on your A game, right? Because somebody mm-hmm. else is mm-hmm. whose life is in jeopardy needs your help, right? Yep. So when you have time to, and I'm sure you talk about, I know you talk about this on, on your show, but but you, you have to have time to to de-stress and process that, and that's not easy. I mean, it's it's easier said. So so whatever your your therapy of choice is, not just I mean, definitely talk about it, but. Some people like to, I mean, you like, you like to golf, you like to surf if you can get out to the beach, of course. I know the beaches are yeah. awesome here, of course, but you know what I mean? I mean, it's, <laughs> it is a hotbed Yeah, of exactly, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's organizations in town. I, I know people in town who, who they got into art, for example, and they were at a dark time in their life when they started, and the, and the artwork reflected that. And then it eventually got lighter as, the, as they went through their process of healing and discovery and transformation. So... I forgot to mention there there's organizations where you can you can there's there you can golf, you can do art, mm-hmm. music, uh, we already mentioned other organizations. So yeah, it's great you guys address it cuz this is a tough topic. Nobody, I mean, no I don't I don't think everybody always wants to talk about mental health, right? It's taboo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People people don't want to talk about it. That's for yeah. sure. And but it's that's part of the the culture and the stigma. You know, that, that needs to change and it is changing slowly, Mm -hmm. you know, getting more people on board and talking about it and realizing the importance of it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, because for the long time it's okay. We got to let nothing bother us, Mm -hmm. you know, got to be professional because it is, like you said, you can go to a severely jacked up traumatic call and then go, you leave there and go to another severely jacked up and you just start stacking all these things. Well, if you're the type of person that that stuff doesn't bother, there's a word for that. It's called psychopath. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I was gonna say crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I mean, it any sane, normal person 
is going to be affected by the work that we do mm-hmm. and the things that we see. Mm-hmm. You got to you got to have a way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's true. You might go from one to the next, but eventually you will get back to the station or you will be off duty. Mm-hmm. And if it takes, you know, six hours, seven hours, eight hours, whatever it is to the time when you can get to a point where you can stop, slow down, process it, do it mm-hmm. and do it immediately. And then that way you don't get that stuff hanging on. Cause that's how PTSD develops mm-hmm. is the more that you let that stuff go and the longer and longer you let it go, the worse and worse it's going to get. And the harder it's going to be to get over that hump. Mm-hmm. If you do it immediately, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I've done the honor flight. If you've ever heard of that, uh, we have some great organizations here in town and they, and they, they exist throughout the country to where they take, um, unfortunately not too many world war two veterans now as, as you know, but now you got like Korea and Vietnam. And so they take them to DC to see mm-hmm. the memorials in their honor. But talking to some of these, these world war two veterans, you talk about trauma. I mean, they can remember what they had for breakfast, like, like 60 years ago, because it's that vivid. And I'm sure it's similar with, with those calls. And, and of course I'm not an expert, but I don't know if that ever goes away, but you learn to deal with it and manage it. Like I, I know guys who they, they run Iraq and, and they might smell diesel fuel and that's that trigger, you know, that will trigger that trauma, but they learn breathing techniques, which is other things you can learn and, mm-hmm. and they learn how to deal with it. And, and that's a good, I think, principle for, for anybody who's gone through trauma is to, is to, to talk to somebody about it, to express themselves. Cause when you bottle it all up, that's, you're right. That's where it gets, it gets bad. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, you're. Most likely, you're never going to forget the incident. Mm-hmm. But what you can do with therapy and all of those techniques is you can, the emotion that's attached to the incident, you can kind of pull that away. Yeah. And it's just a memory. It's not a memory that makes you curl up in a ball on the floor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah. And there's healthy ways and unhealthy ways to deal with that. I'm oh, sure we know. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you with the, the, this this last military school I went to, um, I let everybody down. I didn't get honor grad. No, I'm just kidding. That's my, that's my ego talking. <laughs> but I, I volunteered to be the executive. Wait, officer. then why are you that, on this podcast? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I I just bring that up because the guy who did get honor grad, who I think I averaged like an 89. He, this guy got like a 98. But if you get honor grad, you get to talk to the graduates for a couple minutes. And and he talked about how halfway to 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 being a good leader or or just just a leader is is showing up right we mm-hmm. talked about pe- leaders who don't show up yeah. and caring about your people so what i would imagine when you're in as a first responder the the you can't make somebody care that, that's what the battalion commander i worked for on this last deployment they they pulled me aside before i left to train the, the next unit because i left a little early and they said the best thing they liked about me is i cared and you can't make somebody care right no and and so I would imagine you go on these calls and 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 you you've got a, a the information logistical information where you're going maybe you have a limited information I would imagine um, just like in the military when you start an, a, a mission you don't always have all you just know we're going to go on a mission you have a little bit of information so you start getting ready yeah but, just just imagine yeah. that the information we get from dispatch is what yeah. Uh, probably a step below army intelligence. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. They, they sometimes they say that's yeah, an oxymoron, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but um, I mean, it, it, it's tough. Speaking of intelligence, our our S two, which is our intelligence officer, who who I worked with overseas, got real close to. He had he had worked in local law enforcement here, and then he eventually got into to federal in, intelligence. And he said the same thing about how it's very, very difficult. It's dangerous. And, mm-hmm. but, but kind of the point I was getting at is, is since you care about what you're doing, you, you care about these people you're helping. They're not maybe just some, some random patient, right? They're, they're a human being and especially dealing with kids. I mean, I can't imagine. So 
it's important to talk about ways to be able to, to process that. And, and, uh, like you said, quickly, not, not letting it linger because no. if you do, like I was saying, I, I've talked to these, these world war two guys and, um, there, there's a lot of reasons why it was different. I mean, back then I, I think it was like, like, like a quarter of, of the country was in uniform and then a big, huge percentage was working in factories. And, and so it, it, it was very similar to just today. I talked to a guy at the new we have our new KCI terminal that opened, what is it, end of February. Mm-hmm. And th- this guy is from here, but he uh, was he lives in Tel Aviv, Israel now. And what's unique about Israel's military is is everybody, my understanding is pretty, this is mandatory service. Yeah. So everybody serves, and, and you might not be able to force somebody to be patriotic. I mean, there's some people in the military, maybe or maybe first responders in a good fit, so they try it and do something else. Yeah. But, but, but the point is, since everybody serves, everybody gets it, versus in, in the U.S., I mean, you have less than one percent serving, and yeah. and you you come back, and then you're immediately thrown back into society, and, and it's not like ancient cultures to where when the warriors got back from war, they would go out with the elders and they would kind of decompress, and 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 they would have mentors with them to guide them. Yeah. But it, it, it's tough, especially in reserves and guard, because you come back from doing this 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 awesome mission. I don't mean like a high-speed combat mission they make movies about i mean that's not that's not what i've done hey <laughs> but you know what don't i mean sell yourself all right, short. all right they're not but but the, but the point is you you come back and 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 it was tough for me i'll be honest because i mean i, I was somebody overseas i mentioned i had generals asking me what i think i was working with all all sorts of people and i come back you know and and i'm not saying i wasn't happy to be home obviously i was but but it's it's a it's a it's an adjustment yeah and so and and I don't know how you guys would do that. I mean, so you, you, you're on a stressful call and, and then you go to another call and another call and then it builds up and then you got to go home and be present for your family when you, when you just saw horrific stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be an adjustment in itself just from going from work to go home, right? Yeah. I take yeah. a nap. You take a nap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that is one of the hard things. And I mean, you know, my wife, Rachel and I, we yeah. talk about that. She's like, you've yeah. been at the station too long. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, you are different whenever you come home. Cause I mean, it's a different, it's almost like a different cult. It is a different culture, but mm-hmm. it's a different life. Mm-hmm. You know, like you are, I don't want to say you're somebody else while you're there, but you're focused on a task and you have a mission and this is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you come home, it's a different mission and it's a different set of tasks. Right. And you've got to be able to switch and pivot. Right. So, and you can't carry one over into the other. It's right. like, uh, you know, anything about motorcycles? A little bit. A little bit. So, <laughs> y- you know what an enduro is, right? Okay. So, it's a half street bike, half dirt bike. It does both of them really shitty. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what you get whenever you, you, you're trying to, well, I'm at work, but I got to deal with all the stuff at home. Or then I'm at home, but I'm still dealing with all the stuff at work. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be able to, to focus on each task. Mm-hmm. Because they both are important, you know, your home life is more important or just as important than your work life. Mm-hmm. You know, you want, you want people to be committed in the first responder realm. You know, you want them to care about their job and be present while they're there. But at the same time, that's just your job and your career. You know, your family, the, the life outside of your career, that's what's going to carry on. Cause you might be a firefighter or a cop for 25 years or 30 years or whatever. Okay. Well, what about the 60 other years of your life mm-hmm. that you have to live? That's exactly what our commanding general told us either before we left or when we got back home or maybe it was when we were out there, but that's what he said. 
Actually, it was when we were out there. Yeah, he was he was saying because because we ran a program where I mentioned earlier UPAR, which is every company has one. A company's about roughly 100, 120 people, but they're basically sending us pictures of what the unit's doing. So the general came to talk to. We would train these these task forces, which were throughout the entire area of operations. And and he talked about that uh, when when he came and talked to our students is the importance of connecting with your family and and some guys you'll talk to like yeah they talked to their family three months ago he said that's that's not going to fly that's not you know he said you you've got to you've got to make sure you're you're checking in with them because like you said they're the ones who are going to be there when you get home and when you're out of uniform they're the ones who are going to be there so mm-hmm. you definitely have to have to have to check in with them and and got to make sure that they're doing okay are, are you okay? I'm tired. You, you're talking about a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be that bad. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. we, we both worked yesterday, so I gotcha. think I had an easier night than he did. Gotcha. I mean, usually does. Yeah. yeah. I wake up at 2 a.m. for work, too, so I'm, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel you yeah. guys. But, I mean, working, uh, if you work, what, a 24-hour shifts, there, there's not budgeted time to sleep right i mean you sleep if you can right but if you have a call that's an emergency obviously you go right you get yeah. up yeah so you could sleep 10 minutes or an hour right it, it yeah I or guess you, it depends yeah you could get eight hours of interrupted sleep or you could get zero right so yeah. and it just depends and like so we're both captains and yeah. so, so like my station i've got the chief who i drive the chief and then we've got a pumper a truck and mm-hmm. an ambulance mm-hmm. So you got four chances to get woke up right. during the night. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, you're gonna get woke. up. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned, but I way back in the day I was an ENT for a while when I was in, when I was in California, and and certainly don't have the experience that that you guys have. But you had people who were there for the right reasons and people who were there for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get that too. But but yeah. and and you're, you're kind of talking about motivation and attitude and and i think that's contagious so if you have somebody which i've seen as well i've had soldiers who they have a bad attitude but then that's where a little bit of empathy and compassion comes in and then you find out why and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's because they had a bad experience with an nco or sometimes the unit is toxic and then you have a a lot of work on your hands but you just slowly start to change that culture and it starts with you Oh, you mean uh, yeah. you act, you actually do something about that? <laughs> you don't just throw right. your hands up and go, "Well, this yeah, sucks." Yeah, good luck, right? Yeah. I'm out of here in a year. It's the next guy's problem. Yeah. yeah, but I've seen that before. I mean, I've I've had when you're on deployment, sometimes you'll get soldiers working for you from other units who they stay over. It's called an in theater extension. They they want to stay deployed longer, and 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 that's that's fine. I mean, because sometimes they maybe don't have a family at home or don't have a job or whatever. But sometimes what I've seen is is how different a soldier from another unit can be because that 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 other unit can can do business entirely different, have a different set of values. I mentioned command philosophy earlier, mm-hmm. and then you're trying to adopt them to your culture. But also I've seen sometimes where the system failed because I've seen people who you get evaluated. I'm sure you uh, you, you have some type of evaluation or performance metrics, and they've kind of kicked the can down the road. And I've gotten people before to where. I look at their, I have to evaluate them and I look at their evaluation and I say, it says they volunteered a hundred hours. They didn't volunteer one hour for me. You know, I'm like, I think, I think, you know, the, they buttered this up and now I'm getting kind of like, you know, different well, shade of lipstick on a pig, you know, filling up. That's a thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but having, yeah, attitude is so important. I can't, I mean, having to, to perform at your best, same thing as, as the military. I mentioned earlier, when, when you're tired, when you're hungry, that's why you have a lot of these schools like ranger school and things. They evaluate you when you've slept two hours a day and you're having to carry a bunch of stuff and you're tired. And yeah. and and so, I mean, to have to go and save somebody's life on no sleep, 
that must be what just be adrenaline. You mentioned training before and, and just, yeah. we call them SOP standard operating mm-hmm. procedures. Right. Yep. Okay. So you get to a call and everybody knows their job. Right. And, they, and in theory, well, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I mentioned before the, the different schools I've been to when they evaluate you as a leader, you, I, I kind of got away from thinking, okay, here's how to solve this problem. I, you think back to, you call it like, like, like battle drill on alpha, you know, they're shooting at us here. Okay. You guys return fire. We're going to flank them, but it doesn't always work that way. Uh, you have exactly. to be creative. Yeah. And we mentioned ingenuity and, and, and you, and sometimes you might only have you and, and one other guy. And, and then that's what happened when I was in officer candidate school is, is I did everything correctly, but the bunch of the unit got wiped out and I think I was the only one left, but I still, <laughs> and so, so it didn't quite go according to plan. Well, but the it, officer lived. Exactly. So exactly. Mission success. Yeah. But I mean, I, but they were, they were evaluating things like, did you understand what you're supposed to be doing? Did you communicate that to everybody else effectively? Were you, did you go the right way and not get lost, which is a big deal, you know, because <laughs> this was Fort Lewis, Washington outside of Seattle when it was just all green forest and it was easy to get spun around. Yeah. But, but yeah, so it, it didn't go according to plan, but the, the, based on the metrics they're evaluating me on, I was able to, to, to pass that. They call it a lane or a, a sticks, a situational training exercise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but, and then it's, it's also helping, helping other people. I mean, we, I, I'd imagine we're mentioning how if, if, I think there must be nothing more motivating than if you have like a senior, a senior captain who's rolling up a hose or something just because you're short staffed or somebody else is busy and, and, and they're not doing that to be seen, but you see it. I think that that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. 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 Many hands like make light work. Right. And yeah. there's, you can tell the crews that, operate that way and the people who lead that way mm-hmm. you know on a fire scene where you'll see you know the the chief trying to go over there and roll up some hose or something <laughs> and, you know you, you can tell because you got that young guy who's on a good crew he ain't letting him do that yeah you know yeah. or you know you see the captain there doing that kind of stuff or you know whatever it may be and they they're passing that kind of thing on of yes this is technically firefighter work but we're a crew and we do all of this stuff together and no one of us is better than the other yeah whenever it comes to mopping the floor or washing the dishes or you know rolling up the hose it's a job we're all going to get it done so that's awesome yeah yeah. and that's a for me that's a big thing of you know it's important for the people in the leadership positions like if you do have that you know, soldier or the firefighter or whatever, you know, that's like been kicked down the road, you know, and finally ends up on your crew. Well, what are you going to do? You still have to train that person. You Mm -hmm. still have to get them up to speed because ultimately at some point you're going to have to rely on them to do something. Mm -hmm. And if you've taken no time and put in no effort, you've only got yourself to blame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I read something today. There's a, I've one of the one of my friends who's a public affairs officer in the army. I think he just just retired, and he connected me with a two star general who was a division commander, and on the East Coast. and And I'm going to talk to him. I, I I try and go around and talk to my mentors before I take this new command I was talking about in April. 
but he had me read an article that he wrote. He, he does leadership consulting now, and it talks about how the organization reflects the personality of the leader. Mm-hmm. And so he said he took a lot, he, he took over some units to where the leader was trying to be a nice guy and be liked by everybody, but there was no discipline and standards, <laughs> were, standards were lax and people weren't passing Ooh. PT tests. We're not going to talk about standards. <laughs> right. It's 2023. Right, right, exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they, they kind of take on, and, and whatever is important to the commander, that that ripples down through the organization. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you have a division commander or a core commander, they're in charge of hundreds of thousands of people, but they still, we mentioned, mentioned the command philosophy, which it's, if it's that big, I guess you got to disseminate it electronically or whatever, because you're not always physically there, but you can still make an effort to, to be present as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. I got to ask a question off topic. Is it true some departments to where if you if you end up on the news, you got to buy everybody like hamburgers or ice cream? Donuts. Donuts, yeah. is it? Okay. Donuts is at least for ours. <laughs> okay. That's the thing. It's completely off yeah. topic, but I was wondering if – so <laughs> yeah. if you if you want to take one for the team, just make intentionally get – like walk past the camera uh, when they're live. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know? Everybody tries to hide. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they made it a little bit harder yeah. for us to – to avoid that stuff, but actually, the whole donut tradition is kind of going away, mostly because mm-hmm. they're so dang expensive. Now. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like yeah. And we're looking at like okay, well, the young guy just he got on the news or it's his first day or whatever, <laughs> and like somebody call him and tell him not to bring donuts. Don't spend a hundred dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> well, got, and, and people are eating healthier too. So mm-hmm. you buy a dozen donuts, maybe one and a half get eaten. Right. Maybe. There's no such thing as low-fat donuts, right? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> not that they taste maybe. good. Not that yeah. they taste good, right? Yeah. And the healthy food's always yeah. expensive. Yeah. We talked about inflation, so it's yeah. a lose-lose that's, here. It's even more expensive than the donuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, and these concepts we're talking about can can apply to, I think, any leader in any, in any industry or profession. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, in, in, in my opinion, just because there's just so many so many books about it and, and talks and, and, I mean, everybody talking about what's a good leader but yeah in my experience it's it's the ones who who simply just care about their people they show up and we talked to they mentor them develop them we talked about how they they set them up for success because they care about them and the organization and and that's why it, it really motivates me when i see students who are at these different schools who who care about our first responders and our military so they'll do or fundraising drives and it doesn't matter how simple it is but i think and kudos to parents out there who who also instill those values in their kids of understanding service because service it, it's it's not always financially advantageous as we know you don't do for the money and mm-hmm. it's long hours and it's dangerous and you get tired and you're away from your family and i mentioned my my buddy the intelligence officer overseas who we work for I guess just say one of the local departments here for police. He was saying he saw more combat, if you will, doing that than he did when he was overseas. <laughs> and he, I'm, I'm serious. Then, I, then, I when, he, then when he was, yeah. when then when he yeah. was on on combat deployments. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so he and he talked about yeah how how dangerous it is and and mm-hmm. and so it, it's very noble that people are interested and want to do that and, yeah. and 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 especially I mean. I guess we won't get into politics, but I mean, with, with law enforcement, it's, I mean, they've, they've had it real tough with, with mm-hmm. empir- yeah. empirically with what's going on in society the last several years. And, and, and that makes it tough on them and, yeah. and media too. You know I mean? Media it's, it's, I read, it's like one of the most hated professions behind <laughs> politics. Uh, I, that might be old stats, but it, it's tough because I mean, people hate the media. I'll be honest with you. And, and I can tell you that, that at least where I'm at, these are good people who the, the cool thing about local news is, 
this isn't somebody at the network in New York. I mean, nothing against them, but the people who are in local news live in the community. They they don't just fly in every day or come in in some limo or something. I mean, they live in the community. Their kids go to school here. They 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 work here and they care. Yeah, I and, think most people probably don't have an issue with their local news. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly the CNNs, the yeah. Fox News, yeah. the Your entertainment networks. Yeah, yeah, and I and I can't I mean, I can't speak to that, but I, I I can tell you at least locally it's it's people who genuinely care and and you know and and the reason of course I'm biased, but if if you keep yourself informed, you can have local policy that might impact you and your family more than a national policy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we saw during COVID and not to get into like kids with a mask or anti-mask, but, but, but the point is I don't remember my lifetime of anybody ever paying. I mean, and I appreciate school boards a lot, but just the attention and the pressure on school boards to either make decisions or when there were elections for school boards because of those issues, yeah. um, that made their job incredibly tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 the district my kids are in, I remember the the board saying, I mean, and this is a smaller district, they got thousands of, of calls and emails just about people expressing their opinion. Yeah. And, and these are also public servants as well. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm biased, but anybody who wants to get into service for the right reasons, whether it's first responder or military, that's, that's very, very noble because yeah. um, I mean, it's, as you guys know, it, I mean, Hours aren't great. Doesn't always pay great. It's dangerous, but people have to do it, right? Yeah, somebody has to do it, and, and you can't you can't outsource this stuff. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. it's it's not like yeah. there's going to be like a <laughs> what's the the thing that the dude from Fire Department Chronicles did yeah. the oh, like tel- tele telefireman yeah, yeah, tele- or something tele- like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Telefire. Yeah. 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 That that's never going to be a thing. Like you're always going to have to have oh the tele EMS thing. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah that, that might work like oh yeah, but, yeah. You that, know, that one's yeah, real. You're not. You, you're always <laughs> like s- municipalities are always going to need to provide ambulance services, mm-hmm. their fire service, you know, police departments, you yeah. know, public safety. Yeah. You're going to need that for your citizens just because, especially in a major metropolitan area, you know, we live in a society where we're, we're under an agreement of, you know, oh, we're going to behave this way mm-hmm. and we'll all get along. Okay, well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Me and you and him and whoever, we're going to follow the rules, mm-hmm. but there's a certain section of society that's not. Mm-hmm. And you need the police for that section of society. Yeah. And then, you know, for the things like it's icy outside or it's raining or whatever and you have a tree fall on your house or you're driving down the road and you slide off and hit a pole. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, who are you going to call? Mm-hmm. You call 911, the fire department shows up, they cut you out of the car, they take you to the hospital, or they come and get you out of your house and turn the power off and, <laughs> you know, turn the gas off and then the gas company and the electric company shows up and they do their thing and, mm-hmm. you know... Those emergency services are always going to be needed, Mm -hmm. and we've seen that in the past, what would you say, five years or so, the call volume nationwide Mm -hmm. has just exploded. Mm -hmm. I would almost say it's it's doubled at least, if not close to tripled. I don't think it would go that high. I mean, think about it. It's gone up by about 50%. Mm -hmm. Well, think about it. Well, we were running five years ago, we'll run a day. It's somewhere between 25, 50% more mm-hmm. with less staffing, or even if you're lucky enough to have the same amount of staffing. So here's a number for you. Whenever we came on, the busiest pumper company in the city ran just over 3,000 calls. Mm. 
the busiest pumper company in the city. You're talking almost 20 years. Still, though, I didn't see that. I mean, it's been a gradual, like, uptick. But I would say in the last five years, it's faster now than what it used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the need is always going to be there, and it's just getting more and more and more. And we're getting less and less people into the profession. Yeah. So because of that service mindset is just not as prevalent, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where yeah. I was going with that. Well, I mean, during, <laughs> during COVID you saw how, I mean, obviously emergency services aren't going to get canceled. You can't cut, you can't cut that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but like you said, yeah, we didn't get to work from home. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, my friends who are in law enforcement. We, we, I mentioned how, how tough they've had it in, in recent years, but my friends who, yeah, who, who work in the industry, I mean, Law enforcement say, I mean, you can say whatever you want about them. You can even hate them. But if you have an emergency and you have to call them, they're going to show up and help you, even yeah. if you hate them. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. and, and I mentioned the ride along I went on and some of the people weren't happy to see them or they didn't like them, but they were there to help them. So how tough is that to where yeah. you have to constantly remind yourself you're doing important work, life-saving work, helping people. And sometimes, but it's it's tough on your morale when the people you're helping don't don't care. Nobody, right. like, nobody likes the principal because that's the one you, you exactly. see when you're you in trouble. You got to lay down the law. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it, that's a uh, everybody I mean, likes the fun gym teacher who tells dirty jokes or fireman, right? Yeah. You know, that's that's what everybody likes, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, but 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 definitely, yeah. I, I just just going back to having having the we mentioned the bus here, like having the right people on the right seats in the bus mm-hmm. is important. Yeah, I think because one person could be a poison pill in any organization, and, yep. and kind of yeah. is. is as, as leaders, yeah, sometimes it's having some empathy and compassion and kind of getting to the root cause of it. And then sometimes you just have to get rid of them. I yeah. mean, and after, and a big part of what what I do, what we do in the military is counselings to where you just get it on paper and you have a paper trail, but you just make it very specific. I mean, here's the job description here, and this mm-hmm. isn't anything, right? And here's, here's what you need to do. And then you have performance metrics, but that, at least that way it's objective. It's saying here's what you did do and didn't do. It has nothing to do with my subjective opinion yeah 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 but 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 standards yeah exactly (laughs) yeah exactly standards and it's yeah it's it's kind of like John one. If you're to John Wooden, who he was the UCLA. I went to mm-hmm. USC, so it's tough to talk about. But, but he, you know what? Just one of the greatest <laughs> yeah, basketball exactly. coaches ever. He, he, but, yeah, I hate to admit fine. that yeah. he was a great basketball coach at yeah, UCLA, the, but he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just bring him up because if if you know, I mentioned there's thousands of leadership books, but his is a good one because he talks about you got to get the small things right before you get the big things right. Mm-hmm. And and he his teams wouldn't necessarily do anything fancy or any trick plays or anything like that. It was just down to the details of getting their socks on right so they don't get blisters. So the running maybe a little bit faster than the other team yeah. and, and fundamentals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We talk about that with like Gonzaga. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they've, they've been a power for a while. I mean, oh, a long time. Not, not a, they're not a Kansas. Yeah. But <laughs> that's okay. But they're Rock so job. good every yeah. year because of the little things. Yeah. They, they play fundamental basketball. Mm-hmm. They don't turn the ball over. They take care of it. You know, they pa- play defense. Yeah. They play defense. Their pass, their passes are crisp. Yeah. They, they look for that open person. And they're so good every year. They're not worried about oh, this guy can shoot the three or right. oh, I'm gonna get look, watch my windmill dunk. Yeah, that's not what they care about. Yeah. Little things, exactly. Yeah. Just like every, every time. Just exactly go ahead. what you're saying. Yeah, I was just gonna say crawl, walk, run. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we say. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you go buy a firehouse and, and you always see the, the fire trucks are clean. They look good. They're positioned to where like you have the doors open. I know. And, and, and I'd imagine you get on your shift and like, like when I was an EMT, you make sure the ambulance is stock because what if you need something that's not there and somebody's mm-hmm. life is on the line mm-hmm. and, and they talk about that and, and in the military. So you have pre-combat checks and pre-combat inspections. So PCC is when you check yourself to make sure you have all your gear and a pre-combat inspection is when a leader checks you. But I remember I was in, actually I was in, in, it's called the, the basic officer leadership course. After you commission, then you have to go and train for whatever your job is. So it's, it's a separate school. And I remember one of our instructors talking about how when he was in Iraq, I think they didn't do their PCCs and PCIs. And so this is back in the days where they're clearing houses. So they went in a room and the lead guy went black on ammo, I think. And, oh. and so I, I it, it didn't. I, yeah. So so the point is, I mean, doing doing those the, the small things right it can add up to, to, I mean, in this case, I mean, saving lives or losing lives. Yeah. Yeah. So incredibly important. Attention to details, what we like to say. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, and, uh, that was my favorite line of Jack Reacher. That was in the, it? In the TV show. Attention to detail. Attention to detail. <laughs> or, no, I'm sorry, it was details matter, but. Right. Yeah. yeah same yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Well, they do. I mean, but that's part of being a leader. Yeah. Is, you know, one, knowing what the details are. Right. And then making sure that, you know, the people you're responsible for know that they matter. Yeah. And why they matter. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I had a great company commander when my when I was a platoon leader, who talked about how like there's you have all these different theories, and we mentioned books and 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 taglines, um, and and he called it kind of like cheerleader leadership, you know, and that that's all that's all important. But he said it's going back to his experience. You got to know your stuff if you want to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look the part and look good and say the right things and, and give good speeches because you have to as, as a leader. Right. But if you don't know what you're doing, I mean, they're, they're going to, they're going to find out yeah, and then they're going to lose confidence in you. And that that's why the, you have evaluations and, and you have some schools like, like, like ranger school to where you, you can get peered at you. You do get, somebody gets peered out, which means you have squads of 10 people roughly. And I could be getting this wrong, but I know the basically the, the the guys and ladies you're working with will you'll be the lowest on the totem pole and then you get booted out yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i would imagine in in your i'd imagine fire and, and, and police i mean if somebody's not pulling their weight and it continues to happen or they don't care or or maybe they slip through the cracks i mean i'm sure you know you either reassign them or put them at a desk or i'm not sure how it works but mm. but but, I, yeah. but i'm sure by the time i i know it's so competitive though i would imagine that they they get the best people by the time they actually get to a department i would imagine well that would be the hope <laughs> but you did mention how i know it's tough these days to yeah to recruit, so. yeah well and it's like i said it's nationwide yeah um it's just it seems like public service isn't high on the list mm. of priorities and i think that's part of a cultural shift um, in the country, uh, people aren't really, it doesn't seem like people are really looking at, I'm going to do something for a career for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. which is, that's what being a police officer, being a firefighter, EMT, that's what that is, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of how it's been in the past of mm-hmm. you're going to come in, you're going to do 25, 27, 32, and then you're going to retire and you're going to have a pension and all of this. Now it seems like people are, well, I'm going to go try this job for a couple of years. Then I'll go do this job for a couple of years. And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe by the time I'm 35 or 40, I'll figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, which is fine. I mean, I'm not opposed to people coming into the profession and trying it out. And if it's not for them, it's not for them. Mm-hmm. 
but at the same time, it makes it really hard because you're not able to retain and keep your, those numbers. And then it costs so much and the time investment of getting people trained up. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not like, you know, I'm not going to oversell it and say like, this is rocket science. It's mm -hmm. not, but mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it. And if you want to be good at it, there's even more that goes into it of things that you need to know. And especially if you want to promote, there's things that you have to remember and be looking for on calls, you know, that you right. don't have to as a firefighter. I mean, you should, right. but it's not expected that you know that stuff until you have some time and experience mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And people just aren't staying long enough. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, you pick up things and get better things. We mentioned like shooter's preference earlier. Like you probably yeah. have different tactics or different strategies, each each firefighter. But yeah, that's definitely something that also in leadership they expect. The higher you get up is the more experience you have and, and the buck stops with you. I mean, you have yep. the, like mm -hmm. a battalion commander, I mean, has a staff, brigade commanders, but eventually they got to make the call and, yeah. and then it's it's on them. So even though they have all, yeah, they, they get a lot of guidance and analysis from different people who have different specialties, but they got to make the call. Just like I guess the the chief's got to make the call on some things, I would imagine that could impact yep. the entire department. I would imagine, but yeah. yeah, great leadership comes great responsibility, and and yeah, and I've and we've all seen people who are in leadership positions and they're not leaders. <laughs> but, nope. But I, I mentioned earlier the division commander who who I was I was talking about his article about the the organization reflects the personality of the leader. He was also telling me that you don't necessarily have to have a leadership position to step up and be a leader. I mean, I've seen you know, we've probably all seen people who. Where like hopefully they do get promoted because they're in a position where they should be in a leadership position because they're showing leadership. Yep. And then you have somebody else who somehow fell through the cracks and got promoted when they shouldn't have. And then that's <laughs> what I mentioned before about the, the toxic culture I had to deal with. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Failing and then, up. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And, and so in my example overseas is the person I had to evaluate. I mean, I, I, I think I gave them a, a fair objective evaluation, but, but the, my, my boss told me, look, yeah. like the, if you let this person continue to slide and we just kick the can down the road, then that's, that's on you that those future soldiers have to deal with that. A leader who was allowed through the system to just somehow slip through the cracks and, and is just sliding by doing the bare minimum, not showing up for work sometimes, showing up late, not caring, not, not going above and beyond then that impacts that, that that impacts i think the that's toxic because it, it impacts future soldiers or future people in the organization and then they get this impression of well somebody like this can exist in this organization i don't want nothing to do with it and then that hurts recruitment like you said because yeah. then they go and tell their friends mm -hmm. that oh don't go near there that's that's what they allow to happen there so yeah going back to yeah, going yeah people back see to, a small snippet of something exactly and yeah. they run with it yep like there's yep. bad apples everywhere that's yeah. not the whole exactly yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, but if that's your only experience with it, then yeah. that's yeah. your reality because that's the perception you got. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's one of those things where, you know, we talk about around the station and constantly try to remind people and especially the newer people coming in of, look, you run these calls and this is a, like a customer service thing or whatever, mm -hmm. but this may be the only time that these people ever interact with the fire department mm -hmm. or this may be the only time these people ever act, interact with the police department. Mm -hmm. Just be nice. Yeah. Leave them with a, they're already dealing with something. Yeah. Like, it's not like they just called 911 for us to come over and say hello. Exactly. You yeah. know, there's something going on. Yeah. So be polite, be professional, leave them with a good experience. Yep. Yep. That and, applies to, to anything, I yeah. think. Yeah. Is, yeah. 
doing the right thing and yeah. And you're dealing with them on the worst day of their life, I'm sure sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And, and you're their, their first impression, maybe their only impression. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, yeah. In the military you have, you have honor guards and recruiters and drill sergeants and you have these positions to where they're expected to be competent and experienced and the right person for the job. But also, especially when you represent your organization to the public, then that's why they, they specifically handpick those people because that'll be, the, sometimes it's the only only impression the public has is whoever, like say the honor guard or the color guard, whoever. Then yeah, that's why that's important. Those standards are so high for them. Yeah. Because otherwise, if they make the organization look bad, then yeah, you're right. Then they're seeing the bad apples, yeah. and they think the whole thing is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Read that book, uh, Legacy. You ever heard of that one? Who's that by? I'm not sure who it's by. I just bought the All Blacks out of New Zealand, the rugby team, and how they changed their culture. Really. And how it was, it was top down, like you. You don't try out for the for the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. They come ask you to yeah. be on their team. Yeah, and you and it's not just how well you play. It's you know your the content of your character. Mm-hmm. You know, helping clean up the locker room after you celebrate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great that you won, but it's not that guy's job to clean up after us. So we clean up the locker room and and it's the whole organization top down. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to read that book, it talks about changing the awesome. culture of your organization and how they did it, and mm-hmm. how it's a sign of pride to wear. The all black, yeah, jersey. That's awesome. Yeah, it has a deeper meaning. Yeah, and it, like it, it was like yeah. and it was like stories. It wasn't just lessons. It was you know, it started off like of course a story, and then how it changed and why. Mm-hmm. So it was. I, I think I read it in a day and a half. I was still laid up from surgery, uh, <laughs> so yeah. I had nothing else to do. I was like, <laughs> right. it got recommended, and I was like, okay, I read it. And I was like, that's a damn good book. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, legacy's <laughs> legacy's important. Very very important. Yeah, well, it's what That's you want right. to leave behind. Exactly. Leave it a little better than you found it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just about getting one percent better each day. Yeah, is what I like to what I like to focus on. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Very Rob, cool. what's yeah. next for you, man? <laughs> I mean, I, we know you're going to school, so yeah. but what do you yeah. got? Yeah, Th- things. Yeah, uh, everything's going well. I mean, in, in in the military, at least, I mentioned taking command of this new unit and so yeah i've got some schooling to get done for that some schooling to to get done to promote as well so a lot of a lot of school this year yeah. and then during our summer we have our our two-week annual training as well which yeah. i gotta be at <laughs> the commander now yeah but that and then yeah at at, at uh channel 929 kbc kcw things are going well we got a great team i mentioned earlier who they're doing good work and they care and they work hard and we've got a honor flight coming up in april i mentioned a little bit about i haven't because of covid and i haven't done one of those in a while but that's a cool experience where we get our local veterans out to dc to see the memorials in their honor this year we're going to go to the u.s navy memorial i guess we haven't been there before but yeah that's that's coming up in april and then of course the at least from the the draft will be a big deal here in Kansas City, which of course we're gonna cover cover that wall to wall. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, busy that's, time coming that's, up. That's not news. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right. Just yeah, just fluff. Right? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. got the you got the World that, Cup coming. Well, yep, that's a big deal. And then the, it was great with the the of course the the Chiefs representing Kansas City. It's great for the city, but mm-hmm. but we that was a big deal for us is is covering the parade as well, which which, which that that was awesome. I was at Eleventh and Grand, I think. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It was it was super crowded. Everybody's was was stoked to be there. I had families, kids, people from all over. Mm-hmm. And I had like people coming down from like Minnesota. Some Chiefs fans down there. So <laughs> did, it you was, get, did you get the final number of how many people were there for that? Because I heard like good north of eight hundred. 
I think I'm not sure if it was more than well. The weather was in be- as bad as 2020, so yeah, the weather in 2020 yeah. was horrid. Yeah, because yeah. I was down there for that. We nasty. were. I was actually working it. Gotcha. So. Yeah, that yeah, was nasty. But that that was a big deal for us. And then of course, yeah, here we are, late February with with the new KCI Kansas International Airport terminal mm-hmm. opening, which is awesome. It's 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 beautiful. Yeah, I, I I thought it was I thought it was great. And I've seen a lot of airports, a lot of a lot of cities, and. And so that's that's exciting moving forward. So we yeah we've, and then of course you have sweeps and media, which is the four months throughout the year where you get your rating. So that's when you really try and put your best work forward and into your special projects. So, yeah. So on the media side, just going to keep trying to do what we mentioned earlier is just showcasing the work of of organizations in town doing good work, and then trying to encourage continue to get my because some people don't know i've been back since well <laughs> since technically on air since since december but i still get people asking me if, I, if i'm back yet <laughs> so i'm like i take it you don't watch us because <laughs> because uh, i'm on like five days a week <laughs> and then they always feel bad but it's i'm just messing with them so yeah we're gonna keep just trying to do good work on on the media side and and during sweeps and and continuing to try and 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 be an advocate, it's kind of cliche, I guess, but the whole point of why media exists, at least local media, like we said, is to give a voice to the voiceless and you're supposed to hold the powerful accountable. And, and, and I believe I've read before that if you have areas that aren't covered by any media at all, then you can, it, they can be more prone to say corruption. I mean, there, there's no oversight. There's no watchdog. There's, yeah. there's, there's no, there's no investigative reporter to expose something. And so it's called a media desert. And, and so the point is, yeah, places like that, you're you're not going to have any anybody who's there to to fight for you, and 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 so we're going to keep doing that. And then, I mean, media, it's free service that that you provide working for people because because we get people who will contact us, and sometimes we can help them. Sometimes we try and refer them to organizations that can. But yeah, we'll we'll keep doing that, and then. Yeah, and then the military side going to be gone more more than normal this year. But I appreciate the support I get from. From yeah, from from Channel Nine, and and they've always been very supportive of what I do, and I appreciate that because I know it's a sacrifice. Of course, they have to fill yeah. in for me when I'm gone, but but yeah, it'll be it'll be a good opportunity to do do very similar work on the military side as I do on the civilian side, but kind of being more of like a news director or a manager or a general manager. And then the, the impact I mentioned earlier, the mobile public affairs detachment, it's 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 not a very big unit. There there's there's it's like platoon or size, so anywhere from like twenty to forty people, something like that. But it depends. So it's it's not like a line unit. It could be like hundred and twenty people plus attachments. Yeah. And so that'll be a good opportunity because they're responsible for covering a lot of these military events that happen throughout the year, throughout the month. So you you could have like a you could have like a shooting competition, like a marksmanship competition. You could have like, say, air assault tryouts. So you got all sorts of helicopters doing cool stuff, and and you have other other stuff that it's good footage. And and so we will have our soldiers cover that same way as a reporter or journalist would. And then we push that out, so that helps with the families like it. it helps with the morale. It helps with recruiting. In the beginning, we're talking about public affairs and talking points, and overseas, everything we would publish would have a purpose to a specific audience. It could be families, it could be our our allies, it could be our enemies. But the whole point is, it it's, it has a specific message that we're trying to get out there. Yeah, and and so, so I'll keep doing that. I'm a little over halfway to, I guess, twenty years. But yeah, but, you gotta finish out the twenty. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna try unless I get kicked out. I mean, over <laughs> half, I'm, I'm over halfway there, right? And then yeah, and, and then and then when you, 
Just remember, pr- promote up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Sometimes they say up or out, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah so just keep failing up. That's all. <laughs> I, I, may, I mentioned with these schools. I mean, it's it's easy to prioritize your civilian education or your career, or your family, but you you get racked and stacked in the military, just like you get evaluated maybe like in a department, like who's your best firefighter and who's at the bottom. I mean, I'm not sure how it works, but in the military, you're you're ranked amongst your peers in your peer group. You can be at the top, the middle, or the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> and and so. With with these schools, you can do a memo. So when you're evaluated, which we have coming up soon, it's every fall. It's called the Leadership Development and Assessment Program, the LDAP, which is for officers. And and that's when you say, here's what you're doing. Here's what you want to do. Here's your your education. You got to get knocked out. And if you don't have it done, then you just have to do a memo saying, I didn't get it done. But it's in progress. But they they don't <laughs> the, the board will only buy that a couple times, and then they'll say you need to get it done. <laughs> you're yeah. dragging your feet on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So going to keep doing that. I hope to to connect with all the organizations I've worked with before and as we get into kind of gala season in the spring and summer and golf season and and participating in events and and sometimes I'll I mentioned I'll MC events and then it's fun to participate cuz you don't have to to work it. <laughs> cuz yeah. when you're working it you got to be in your best behavior. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And you have to inhale your food because as soon as you sit down to eat, they need you to do something. Because oh, yeah. as an MC, you're working for the organization for free, yeah. but, which is obviously worth it and and a great to be a part of. But but yeah, so so those are a lot of fun. We've got that we've got that coming up, and and really yeah, just just continuing to try and contribute to to the community any way I can with the the platform I have. Is is yeah, is the game plan for me. And then just yeah, uh, we'll teach you how to eat white MC. I'll tell you what, you just eat it, you eat it, and then you you taste it later. Just yeah, like yep. yeah, just like yeah, you know, like your basic training, you just inhale your food. Yeah. And then Don't think I've never taken a plate on the rig with me and yeah, <laughs> eating exactly. on the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cereal's it, it, hard. Cereal, yeah. cereal sucked. <laughs> yeah. Sandwich, sandwiches were pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't do a steak unless it was already cut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, looking forward to doing that and have a lot of personal, those are professional goals, have a lot of personal goals. Yeah. Always wanted to bench 220 and I'm at 215. I'm trying so hard to get there. I mean, stuff like that, you know. <laughs> I, I can't bench what you guys can. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can't touch that anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Mm-mm. But. Yeah, that, and then then you're trying to yeah read more, write more stuff stuff like that, and and I think that's important. We talked a lot about uh, mental health earlier, uh, not just talk therapy, but I think um, uh, well, it's I don't want to say cliche, but I think writing down things helps as well. I know some mm-hmm. organizations yeah. advocate that because it's a way to get it out, whether yeah. it's spoken or written. Trying doing so that that's important for people, I think, to do uh, to to write. Uh, reading's important and. And whenever you can, if you got ten minutes here, five minutes there, to to try and try and and, and read, and and then yeah, of course, time is important. When you're when you're gone for a long time, you like on deployments, you have technology to communicate, but you really appreciate that time more. Just like if you're on a a bad call or like countries I've been to, to where people would do anything to live in the United States, it gives you a different perspective, and you appreciate things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you yeah. if I, we mentioned the tough calls you've been on before, and you you feel for that family, but it makes you appreciate your family and just understand that time is 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 finite. You know, and and so okay. my first deployment, I talked about trying to live tw- 
twice as hard when I got home, meaning like to, to, to be present with your family. Cause you can be doom scrolling on social or you can be, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're there, but you're not really there, you know? And yeah. so, so after my, my first deployment, definitely my second one, I try and be more engaged and I'm far from perfect, but I appreciate the, the time because mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we know what not the, the master coming the Bible says. So yeah. So definitely that's, that's what, what's ahead for me and looking forward to uh, continuing to support the work you guys are doing and trying to help first responders any way I can military any way I can. Yeah. I appreciate what you guys do. You have to let us know what events are coming up that we can see if we're off and yeah, absolutely. See what we can, what we yeah, can do. Yeah. And let me say one more thing real quick, just a plug for first responders is, is, is I noticed on the ride along and especially in the media is unfortunately a lot of times you see the bad stuff on, on the news mm-hmm. and it, it's not the media intentionally trying to make first responders look bad. It just, there's a lot of explanations for it, but I can say that there's a lot of, good stuff that happens like we mentioned caring about the people you're helping uh that's very empathetic and compassionate that first responders do i mean like when like like law enforcement will say give somebody water or somebody's somebody they they got a they have a warrant or they did something illegal so they're taking them you know to jail but they're still giving them water or letting them call say somebody to get their car or call somebody to tell them about their bond like little things like that i notice it's very very compassionate because they don't have to do that you know um I'm sure same thing with, with fire is you, you can do the bare minimum or you can, you can go above and beyond. And, and, and I, and when I was an EMT, it's the same thing I noticed is you go call to call to call, but, but you think, well, what happened to that person who, who we helped? And and then sometimes the outcome, you know, it's not what you wanted, you know, and, and, and talking about mental health, I'd, I'd worked with people who, you had tough calls. I mean, nothing like, like you've seen, cause we were just BLS. I was just EMT one, but so I was mainly driving, doing sniff to sniff skilled nursing facility, taking folks from nursing homes to hospitals and back. But some of the calls you go on, like, like one, you're, you're taking somebody home for, for basically it's a, it's a hospice run for an end of life hospice run. So they're going home to be with their family in hospice. And so we, we, we get to a, a this house and, and, the whole family was there and this, this guy was working with, who was talking about becoming a paramedic and become the fire chief. And I mean, he had big goals, which is great, but he, he, he couldn't, he couldn't handle that. He quit. And then we had another call to where it, it was a controversial call because the, um, I think it should have been an ALS call, but what, what happened is this, this person, he, he was kind of heavy labored, laborious breathing. And it seemed like he was kind of having a heart attack. We thought, so he took his vitals. His doctor said, he's fine. His doctor said, run him to, to the hospital and we did. And then he got worse as we're going over there. So we go code three and give him what we could. I mean, we, we were just BLS. We just had oxygen and a few things, but he got there and then he had rails, which we had identified before. So he had the rattling, you know, in his, in his, in his chest. Mm-hmm. And so then the charge nurse said, listen to this, you know, and, and we said, that's what we told the, that's what we said initially is that this, this should have been an ALS call. So they got him into surgery. I don't think he made it though. And so the guy was with, he couldn't process that either. So, it's it's definitely uh, I think people um, should have an understanding of 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 what you guys go through and that that the first responders um, go through a lot you know but they're good people you know I mean yeah you mentioned bad apples but every profession has every, bad every apples. single position has you know profession has bad apples and somewhere you, you, yeah it's yeah. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. So, there's no selection process that's a hundred percent yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah but I appreciate you guys doing this the work you do and and the content you talk about it's 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 all very important well very, very appreciated thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for coming, yeah. doing the show. I Thanks for the it. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, all right, we'll, we'll end this episode like we do everyone. If you are struggling, reach out. There are resources out there. We talked about several of them.
Uh, <laughs> if you know somebody that is struggling, reach out, let them know you care, let them know what the resources are and, uh, yeah, take care of each other and we will see you next time. <laughs>